Don't say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Reverend's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings us light. And we thank you, Father, for light light exposing power taking place this morning. And Lord, as I step back for you to step up, and as I decrease so you can increase, I thank you for the anointing to teach your word to be exposed to everyone's heart this morning. And I declare that as we hear it and as we believe it and as we receive it and as we go out and apply it, signs, miracles, and wonders will follow our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody believe that prayer. Say amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're on a topic of how to get out of a financial hole. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I asked you last week. And I'm asking you again, are you getting out of the financial hole? Amen. And I believe God's put this topic on my heart because money affects our lives. How many can agree with that? Money affects our lives. Money affects our lives and it is so impactful that we need to govern the way we manage our money God's way. And the average American, you may not know this, but the average American has at least four credit cards. And the total amount on those credit cards in an average family totals $16,000. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have a credit card? Now look at him again and say, if you say no, I know you're lying. Over 70% of all Americans live from paycheck to paycheck. 33% of Christian marriages end in divorce because of money problems. Jesus knew that finances were so critical and such a critical area of someone's life that 16 out of 38 of his parables were about money or possessions. That's almost half of the parables he taught were about money and possessions. And our church is understanding the importance of this teaching and it's changing a lot of you all's lives. Can you say amen to that? And I'm very pleased to say that on last Sunday we had the best, say the best. We had the best financial Sunday we have ever had in our church's history. And I'm not happy for that because of what came in. I'm happy for that because of what's going to happen in your life. Amen. And so, so far, uh, we have learned six principles 
on how to get out of a negative financial situation or to how to manage our money God's way. Because even if you're not in a hole, these principles can help you manage your money. And so the first principle was to stop digging. Principle number two was to change financial gods. And if you don't get these, go to the bookstore and they will be happy to sell you the CDs on these because they're very good. Or you can go online and listen to them for free. Number three was to become thankful for what we have so that God can multiply what we do have. Number four was that we must change the way we think on how we view money. Number five was that we must pass a financial test in order for us to be trusted for the next financial level. And then number six, which was hot last week, is that we must begin to fill any financial hole by speaking faith-filled financial words. Have you started speaking faith over your finances? Amen. So this morning I want to continue and hopefully I can give you a couple of more principles that will apply. And I believe next week I'm going to end our series. So I want you to find three verses of scripture this morning. I want you to find Genesis chapter 28 verses 22. And then I want you to find Deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 12. And then I want you to find Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. I'll say those again. That was Genesis chapter 28, verses 22. And then that was Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 12. And then Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. And while you're finding those, uh, there are four things that if you can get a hold of these four things, if you, are, if you hear them and you apply these four things to your life, when it comes to God's word, your life will change for the better. Here's the first thing you have to understand. The Bible is full of patterns. Everybody say patterns. The Bible is full of patterns and patterns are, are meant to be followed. And we'll see a lot of good patterns and a lot of negative patterns in the Bible. And the ones that are negative are the ones that we should learn from. Amen. And then after you see patterns, then you will always find a principle in that pattern. You'll always find a principle in that pattern. And a principle is just something or some instructions that God has given that he wants us to apply. And then after the principles, then guess what? We must perform that which we know to do. That's just another word for obedience. And after we perform the principles that we have learned from the patterns that we understood, then comes the promise. Everybody say the promise. And I'm going to say this to you, man, if you can get this down in your heart. As you read the Bible, you can ask yourself, is, what pattern can I see that's going on in the Bible? See, like one of the patterns doing financial difficulty in the Bible, especially seen in the Old Testament, was when there was a difficult time, when there was a famine, when there was a drought, the Bible says sowing always took place. The Bible says that Isaac, during the time of famine, he sowed in that land, and the Bible says in the same year he received back a hundredfold. That's a pattern. Everybody say pattern. Pattern. So this morning, I want to start now with the seventh principle to getting out of a financial hole. And here it is. It's understanding the power and the principle of transfer. The power and the principle of transfer. In other words, the transfer that, that it's going to take from what is in your house 
to now transfer into God's house. Now, I don't just want you to know the principle. I need you to understand the principle. Because when you understand the power and the principle of transfer, you'll be able to transform your life because the power of transfer is happening all the time. You're just not aware of it. When you go into a store and you get an item, you now have to transfer some currency for the item that you just bought or picked up. Amen. When you get into work, you transfer now some time of your life in for a paycheck. Everybody say, I like that transfer. When you transfer, like Brother Greg said this morning, when you transfer money into a bank, hopefully, everybody say hopefully, hopefully that money is available. Most of the time when it's not available, it's because you have payday loans. No, payday loans are real. And they are very dangerous, three words. Everybody say the power of transfer. Now, I'm going to give you a take-home statement before we jump into our first verse. Here's the take-home statement, and you can just write THS if you're visiting us. Where your deposit is, is where you will get your return. Where your deposit is, is where you will get your return. Or I can say it this way, from whom you deposit is from whom you get a return. Now, in Genesis chapter 28, here's the first thing I need you to understand about a transfer. It's knowing that I must transfer out of my house anything that belongs to God's house. Because I'm going to show to you this morning, and believe it or not, we still have the majority of our church that are not participating when it comes to tithing and offering. So if you're already tithing, fine, this is just going to water what you already know. And many of us who already tithe, we don't get the level of increase that we can because remember now, and I'll show you later, that your understanding produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. So if you're not living at the 100 fold status, maybe it's because you need a little bit more understanding. Amen. Genesis 28 verse 22. Watch this now. It says, and this stone, this was Jacob. This is the first time that this principle of transfer took place in the Bible. It says, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be what? Come on, class. Shall be God's house and of all, everybody say all. Watch his mentality. He says, Of all that you shall give me. Notice now, it's not what he said that I have, he says, even that which you shall give me. In other words, he's made a commitment that whatever I get, past, present, and future, he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, I will surely give what? A tent to who? Now notice he said, now, it is in my hands, but even before I get it, I've made a decision that I'm going to transfer it from my house to your house. Now go to Deuteronomy 26. Go to Deuteronomy 26. Go to Deuteronomy 26. How do y'all like my club jacket? This is the closest to club I'll go, so this is it right here. How many went to the club last night? Let me see your hand. 
I'm just playing. I'm just playing. That's my second service, okay? <laughs> Don't tell him I said that though, okay? Deuteronomy 26, I'm going to start in verse 12. Notice now, watch this. He says, when you have made an end of tithing, all of the what? Tithes of all of your increase, the third year, which is the year of tithing, and, and you have given it unto the Levi, who's responsible uh, for the temple, and the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And, and by the way, let me just explain a principle that Word of Truth Phantom Church, I, this is not a part of my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the principles that Word of Truth Phantom Church believes in and does every month, the Bible said that the gospel should, should go first to the Jew and then the Gentile. So every month, the first, everybody say first. The first check that leaves our church is a check to Jewish ministry. Amen. Because we want to make sure that the Jews get the word of God. Amen. They were God's people first and we were second, but it's all good. We all in the same family now. Amen. Amen. We all entitled to what he has. Verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, watch this now, I have brought away the hallowed, the holy things, watch this now, out of what? Out of mine house and also have given them unto the Levite, unto the stranger, the fatherless, because that's what happens. The transfer, when it hits the house of God, we support these types of people. Watch this now. I have not transgressed thy commandments, neither have I forgotten them. I want you to notice, though, he said, I have brought or transferred from, the, well, he said transferred the hallowed things, the holy things from my house to your house. Now, do you know it's dangerous to keep something that belongs to somebody else in your house? Let a man catch you with his wife that belongs in his house, in your house. Look at your name and say, we'll be at your funeral, we'll be at your funeral. In other words, and, and, and see, in the Bible, anytime anybody kept something that was holy, death took place. Okay, remember Achan? Either death in, I'm not just saying physical death, I'm talking about spiritual, something, something negative happened with them. But remember, uh, even Abel or Cain, Cain took, he, he kept what was, what was God and he got upset and God said, that's not acceptable. Well, how many want to be accepted before God? But then Achan was one of the guys that took the first of the, the Jericho, remember they walked, marched across the Jericho or around Jericho wall? Well, Jericho was the first city. And remember, everything that's first belongs to who? Belongs to God. Well, Achan took from some of that stuff and he took it and hid it in his house. And he created a curse. And what was bad, because I, I was kind of upset because I didn't understand why his whole house had to die. You know, the Bible says they dig the big old hole. They put him, his kids, his animals. They put everything this man on, put it in the hole. Then they stone them. I mean, shoot me. Stones hurt. And you don't die immediately. And I, so I was like, Lord, what? In, why did his whole... And then what really got me, I was like, Lord, why 
did the whole children of Israel get affected? Because remember, they went to go to war again and they lost the war against a small city that they should have just beat up. But they lost it. And it was because of what Achan did. And I couldn't understand that. So I was like, Lord, you got to help me understand why you let all these people get affected because it is one man's disobedience. I mean, let every man's sin be his own sin. I don't want to be in trouble for your sins. I got to deal with mine. In this guy's case, everybody got affected. And when I studied it out, and you can go back and look at this, Achan, because what they did, they began to call people out by tribes. Okay, when they got to Achan, what I never realized was that Achan was from the tribe of Judah. Judah means what? Praise. He was on the praise team. (laughs) Why y'all looking? Ain't nobody up there? In other words, remember now, when they went to war, who did God send out first? He sent Judah out first. He sent them out first. And he was sent out first. And I said, oh, man, the praise team got to be right. <laughs> How many of you know our praise team is right? Praise the Lord. But Jacob had this transfer concept under grips. Now, I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 12. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read there. It says, uh, Deuteronomy 12, verses 5 and 6. It says, But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto the, his habitation shall you seek, and there shall you come. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, Your tithes, your heave offerings, which is the same word offerings over there in Malachi chapter 3. And uh, heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and your flocks. And just so you know that if somebody had too much herds and flocks and stuff and they were too far from the temple and they couldn't bring all the first, they couldn't bring it all. Then God said, okay, go and sell it and then take the money to the temple so either way they either either got the animals or they got the money but either way they transferred and let me show you something why why having something holy is so dangerous remember now that the the, uh, David the ark of the covenant had been stolen from the enemies and it came back and uh, David was dancing and going on and uh, They had put the cart on a new horse or a new ox. The ark was like this box, you know, it was all built and it it represented the presence of God. And it was holy. Nobody touched it. You didn't touch that. The priests were the only ones even allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And if he wasn't right, he died. Well, in this case, you know, the ox was going on along and the the ox stumbled. I guess he hit one of those, those potholes that's in Mansfield. Just tore up one of my rims. Just tore it up. They think they're not going to pay. They're going to pay for this. So the ox stumbled. And the, the, the cart began to shake. And so one of the men that was 
following the cart didn't want it to fall. And so watch this. Just out of concern, he touched that which was holy. You know what happened to him? He died too. Well, many of us wonder why our finances are dead. Maybe it's because you have something in your house that doesn't belong to you. And you need to transfer. Everybody say transfer. Transfer that which belongs to God to him. Now, here's the thing. In order to transfer what God has given us from, to his house, we must first make the transfer in our heart. Because, see, it's not a money problem. It's not a giving problem. We don't even have a tithing problem. We have a heart problem. Now, I want you to quickly go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to learn something. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. And I want you to hear me for what I am saying and what I am not saying. Okay? Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. I'm going to start in verse 19. And this was Jesus talking. The, the letters are in red. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves what? Treasures, treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth or rust does not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And let me just put a little plug right here. I believe some people come to God's house and do not get fed meat because they don't bring meat to his house. Okay, do y'all need to be explained that? Okay, Malachi chapter 3, he says, when you bring your tithe and offering to the storehouse, he said that there may be Meat, where? Okay, so what thinks you, what, what do you, why do you think you have the right to take some meat home if you didn't bring no meat? Look at your name and say, you better get that right there. Amen. Some of y'all leave, hung, come in hungry, and you still hungry. <laughs> Watch this. Look at verse 21. This is the focus verse. Read it with me. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's read that again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is he saying? He's saying, follow the treasure trail. Because he says, if you will follow the treasure trail, it will tell you where your heart is. And see, many of us, we say, oh, the Lord understands my heart. He does. He understands you, stingy. He understands you don't trust. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be. Watch this now. Here's the living Bible. I like it. It says, if your prophets are in heaven... Your heart will there be will be there too. And the word treasure there means a place in which goods and precious things are collected and laid up. It means a receptacle. It's it's where valuables are kept. It's almost like a safe. And and that's where your heart is. And and what's interesting is uh go to go to Matthew 13. Since we're Matthew, go to Matthew 13. Go to Matthew 13. Our hearts control our lives you get saved because of your heart 
Jesus, the Bible says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So your heart is very critical. And that's why you have to watch what you hear, what you see, and who you're around because they can corrupt your heart. Watch Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read in verse 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then the wicked one comes and catches the way that which was sown where? Come on, class. In the heart. Now watch this. Notice now, the only way the enemy can come and take that which was sown in my heart is if I don't understand it. And that's why I teach. Because teaching produces understanding. I mean, how many of you went through kindergarten? Let me see your hand. I mean, how many of you, your kindergarten teacher, they hooped you your ABCs? Hoop. You know hoop? Okay, how many of you, 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 they sung you your ABCs? And you know, you got the ABCD, but you better figure out individually because if they bust out and say, what's the fourth letter, you're going to be like ABCD. Basically, teaching produces understanding. Watch now in verse 20. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that hears the word and announces with joy, receives it, but yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution, watch this now, it arises because of what? The word. See, sometimes we don't go through financial situations because of maybe some mistakes we made. Sometimes it's the word in us being tested to see if we believe what God said he would do. Verse 21 or verse 22. He also that receives seed among thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word and it becomes what? Unfruitful. What is becoming unfruitful? The word, watch verse 23, and we'll stop right here. But he that receives seed, or the word, into what? Good ground. Is he that hears the word, and what class? Understands it. When you understand the word, and it goes into a good heart, which is good ground, watch what happens. You will bring forth somewhat, hundredfold, somewhat, and somewhat. So guess what? The, the, your heart and how much you understand determines your fold. And when you really understand the concept of transfer, when you can with all your heart say, God, nothing that I, first of all, everything that I own belongs to you. And anything you want me to give away, I will. But I do know one thing, God, what you told me you wanted from me, I don't have it. And when you have that kind of attitude, you can now have a faith attitude toward the receiving end of that. Remember I told you I finished the pledge that we gave? Remember that last week, uh, the testimony I gave? Well, remember now, you can only receive after you've obeyed. Or let me say it like this. You can completely receive after you have completely obeyed. Half obedience is still disobedience. So after I've completed the pledge, everybody say immediately. Immediately Immediately things begin to happen. I had a meeting with the bank this week, and I know that this bank is going to be the bank to fund our project. I know it. Just like I know I'm saved. 
Just like I know I married the right woman. Just like I know God told us to come to this again. Just, and you know what? I sat there and looked at that bank. I told him, I said, I, let, me tell you, let me tell you something I've never told anybody. He kind of leaned up. He said, am I ready for this? I said, I don't know. Are you? <laughs> I said, let me tell you something I've never said to anybody other than my wife. I said, your bank is the right bank. I said, let me, he said, how, how are you all doing what you're doing? Because it's really in the natural, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling if you saw the big picture. I looked at him. I said, sir, we are in the season that God wants us in. And the Bible says a man that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season, whatever he does prosper. I said, if I touch you right now, you're turning to 24 karat gold. <laughs> I'm serious, man. You want me to touch you right now? Shoot, man. Everybody say the power transfer. Man. Okay, I'm going to do this last principle, this eighth principle, even though I'm not going to finish it. But it ties so much in, I have to just mention it. And the eighth principle is this. Getting out of a financial hole takes the principle of obedience. Basically, you have to obey what you know. Because, see, your obedience... Will feel your. In fact, go go quickly. Uh, I'm gonna read you some ver- some verses, but I want you to go to Luke chapter five. Go to Luke chapter five, and I'm just gonna read you a couple of verses while you're going there. Luke chapter five, and then you can just uh, find verses two, uh, and I'm gonna read verses two through seven. But but see, your obedience will fill the financial hole. And see, let me give you a concept. Everybody say concept. Here's another take home statement. Tithe is what you owe. Offering is what you sow. Seed is what you grow. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Tithe is what I owe. In other words, God said it's his. Offering is what I sow because he said, remember last week we discussed that he wanted tithe and what? Offering. But then seed now is what I grow. Now in Job... 3611, just write it down. He says, if they obey and serve me. Now, see, the principle of obedience can be used in any area of your life. Because some of you are, are, are waiting for God to do some things and he's waiting on you to do some things. Uh, Landon this morning, he wanted money to go somewhere to eat after church. And he came to me and asked me for the money. I said, well, Landon, after you get dressed. No, no, no. What I told you. Yeah, I told him. I said, after you go get dressed, I'll give you the money. He did his best to talk me out of that. No, Danny, give me the money now. Give me the money now. I said, no, you're not getting the money now. You have to wait and go do what I told you to do and come back. And when you have your clothes on. I will give you the money. Well, guess what? Landon was not going to get that money until he went upstairs and got dressed. How many know Landon went and got dressed? (laughs) Because, see, there's only certain things your, your obedience can trigger. Only certain things. And, see, I'm going to show you that, that, uh, this particular principle of obeying God when he tells you to do something. It affected Peter's financial life. Go to, where did I tell you to go? 
Okay, go to Luke chapter 5. Let's read this one and I'm going to close because even though I didn't use all the scriptures I want to use, it's, it's all good because I think you're getting the concept. Watch verse 5, oh, I mean chapter 5 verse 2. And he saw, this was Jesus talking, he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and they were washing their nets. And he entered one of the ships, which was Simon or Peter's, and he asked or prayed him, he said, would you thrust out a little from the land? And he, Jesus, sat down and he what? He taught the people out of the ship. Now we, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the what? Deep and let down your what? Nets for a what? For a drought. Now I'm going to show you that Peter had already been working. In fact, he probably worked overtime. And what's bad about it is that Peter, if he owned the ship... He had people working for him. He had went out. And when you have people that work for you, you're going to have to pay them whether you made the money or not. You try to pay somebody and you didn't, you try to not pay somebody and they worked hours. Clink, clink. Well, in this case, they had worked. And watch what he said to Jesus in verse 5. And Simon answered said to him, Master, we have worked how long? All night, and we've taken nothing. But watch what he says. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he or they had done this, because it was more than him, they enclosed a what? Great multitude of fishes, and their net break. But let me show you what's the miracle part of it. They beckoned their partners, which were in other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships, and they all began to sink. In other words, he had a sink net breaking miracle right there. But guess what? He did like most of us do. He went to work. But some of us are going to work, and we're not coming home with what we need. Well, he went, he was about to go home with nothing. Even though he had worked, and the Bible said he worked all night. But because he valued obedience, he said, you know what? I'm going to do what Jesus said. I don't understand this whole, I, let me tell you something, certain things you're not going to understand until you do. Amen. Some understanding comes with doing. Amen. Like, for instance, you will understand not to disobey your parents after you get a whooping. You will, over, you will understand. That comes with understanding. Okay? Well, certain things about how God does something that you will never get it until you start doing it. Well, he valued obedience to the point that he did it. And when he did it, overflow came in his life. And there are many of you that God's trying to get you. He's trying to get you to get on his side. He's trying to get you to make the transfer. Because see what happens. I need two people. Two men. Give me two men. Two men. Quickly. Two men. What we don't realize is anytime we transfer something from our house to God's house. Okay, one over here and one over there. All right. Yeah, come over here, brother. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. All right. Let's start right there. Now... We're going to make this our house. And he is God's house. Now, what we don't understand is that 
Anytime you transfer something to God, God will never transfer it back, back to you without doing something to it. That's why it says he will multiply. And next week, my last one, I'm going to show you how you can, that your, when you give, the, your giving produces fruit. And when you produce fruit, the Bible says you have asking status. But God will never give it to you back the same. In fact, if, if he did, it violates the Bible. He says, give and what happens? It'll be given to you how? Okay, so here is, you, you made $200. No, uh, you, somebody gave you $20. What's the tithe of 20? $2. So I am going to now, uh, he's going to be, I'm the employer. He just worked for the $20. All right. So that's your tithe of $2. What you going to do with it? Make that sale at Macy's, man. But, but you need some new tires. But, but, but your glasses are old. You can't see no more. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay. Now he has just given what God asked. But God also said in tithing. So now with his no good seeing glasses self, he needs to give an offering. So I'm his employer. He got his check. Now he's going to. Take a dollar. That's where he is right now. And what you going to do with that offer? And that's gas money. That's lunch money. That's bubblegum money. Okay, he give it to God. Now, God don't need the money. But what we need is for God to do something with it. Now, what he has in his presence now is blessed because God blesses what we keep. So now I'm, I'm going to pretend like I'm the good measure person down shaking together, running over person. So now this $2, God, I need you to go and give that $20 over to him. He, God is saying, I wish that was my 20. <laughs> I wish that was my 20. Okay, now go back to your position. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this more than what you gave? <laughs> What's wrong? You got Tourette's or something? <laughs> we ain't got workman's comp around here. You can't do that. Is that more than what you gave? Yes. Would you do that again? Yes. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you do that even if you didn't get 20 back? Yes. Why would you do that? Because I'm supposed to do that. Because you're supposed to do that. Now, because of that attitude, God's going to do it for him anyway. Because let me tell you why. And I'm going to stop right here. Because he promised he would. And if he didn't promise it, he shouldn't have said it. If he didn't promise it. So now you can give with some confidence. Because now you're not giving because God is, is a man that he should lie. You're giving because you said, God, I'm doing it because I love you. I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. But I'm also doing it because you said you will take what I gave you and multiply it back to me so I can not only be blessed, but for me to be a blessing. 
And when you get to the next level where you are now a blessing to other people, it'll change. People are like being around you. Come on, y'all give my volunteers a big hand. Thank you, God. I mean, uh, you know. Did y'all get anything out of the message? So I'm going to close it next week. But I'm making the appeal. Paul said to the Corinthian church, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I'm beseeching you, not for me, but for you. Is it going to help our church? It should. But you know, at the end of the day, it's about you and your relationship with God. And I want to challenge those of you who are already giving to put your mouth on your money. Those who are new to this, don't let lunch money, tire money, glasses, don't let nobody keep you from giving God what belongs to Him. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those who heard the word today. I thank you for a hundredfold understanding.